0: my life is very hectic and crazy and I didn't always have time for art and it ended up where the time that I actually made and had for myself to do art for a lot of those years was just doing the DIY postcard swaps.
1: Welcome to Show Up or Shut Up with Wendy Solganek also known as willa.wanders on Instagram. This podcast features real and raw conversation about the lives of prolific makers. What is really happening behind all of those gorgeous photos of art on Instagram? How we came to be prolific makers? What makes us consistently show up? And the very real challenges that we all face. episode of show up or shut up is brought to you by the willow workshops found at willowwanders.com take a class in how to make your own willow journals have fun with a secret tag book or enroll in our new 12-month mixed media art making experience called fodder school these and many more outstanding online courses are available right now on my website (laughs) yay welcome to show up or
0: shut up well thank you very much for having me on
1: i am thrilled to have you on i cannot explain why i feel this connection to you but i'll try (laughs) (laughs) i think it is because you have you're a practicing lawyer okay and i don't know if you know this about me but i have a law degree
0: i think i did hear that
1: at one point or another Okay. And I just feel like I have so many questions for you about how you're able to manage the, I guess the, the sides of that, you know, the, anyway, we'll get, we'll get into all of that. So anybody, anyway, um, everybody, uh, welcome to the podcast to Sarah Gardner. Sarah is an incredible mixed media artist and, I was introduced to Sarah when Sarah was the host of Wanderlust 2020 or the co-host. I don't know what it's officially called, Mm -hmm. Um, but I was taking that course and I took many of your courses within that course and I fell in love with you and your style and at some point I think I heard that you were a lawyer and my, you know, just my, my natural curiosity kind of came out about you, and this is the first time that we're ever going to have a conversation about who you are and what makes you tick and all of that stuff, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? That kind of thing.
0: Sure, sure. Um, well, I was born here, basically, in San Diego County, California, and I live in a small surf town called Cardiff-by-the-Sea in... North San Diego County. So we're about a half an hour uh, north of downtown San Diego. And we live on the coast. And um, it's we have a wonderful life. Uh, My husband and I got married in around 1997. And we have two kids. And at the time, I had just... um, when I first met my husband, I was practicing law for a, um, a, like a single practitioner in downtown San Diego, and it was a miserable experience. I mean, I actually didn't really enjoy law school all that much either, but um, I th- th- thought I would make a go of being a professional, <laughs> so <laughs> I tried it out. And, um, you know, kind of like long, long story short and roundabout, I ended up um, once I had kids, once I had my first child, my daughter, just feeling like I can't do both things. And, but I wanted to try to figure out a way that I could use my law degree and continue with my, you know, I passed the bar, you know, that's, that's amazing. So it's like, you don't want to just like, turn your back on that. So, um, I found a way to make it work and I decided to practice estate planning and that way I don't have to argue with people. I can help them and educate them and do more like customer service type stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, And some hand-holding and like, it's an emotional thing to do that. So I have kind of a, a natural propensity to be empathetic and kind and reasonable and just. And sometimes as a lawyer, if you're trying to do that with opposing counsel, they think that of that as weakness So, you know, (laughs) and this way I can practice it as a strength in, in being a lawyer. So, you know, and I've done it part time because my focus has been on my kids for most of the time and I'm able to meet with clients on their own time after, after work. Sometimes I'll even go to their homes and, um, that that's what, that way my my husband could stay home with the kids and it's worked out pretty well. And I've expanded into some, you know, corporate law, um, you know, transactional things like, you know, um, distribution agreements, licensing agreements, and um, working for small startup companies and helping them with either litigation management or operations, things like that. So, I, I get to use my left brain and my licensing and all of my education in doing what I'm doing, but it's not, it doesn't overtake my life. I have time to do the, the left, the right brain things that that fulfill me like as a person and uh, in my
1: soul, and my heart, you know, I am totally amazed that you are able to do both. And it sounds like you're able to do both very well. Um, I have a lot of questions about <laughs> that, but before I get to those questions, I first want to ask you, just as a point of reference for myself, what year did you graduate from law school? I graduated law school in 1993,
0: and I went to USD, University of San Diego Law School.
1: Okay, so we were in law school at the same time, <laughs> but I was at UCLA. Okay, which is so crazy to me, because it's kind of like we were in the UC system in the law schools at the same time. And I was living in Los Angeles. And who even knows, I went to San Diego many, many times. Oh, my (laughs) God. Well, I'm interested um, to hear
0: from you. I know this is like turning the tables a little bit. But um, you I know that you're from New Jersey. How did you end up in California
1: just for law school? Yes. So basically, I grew up in New Jersey. And then I went to college in upstate New York. And then I have I have three older brothers who are much older than I am. Okay. And my brothers started moving to Los Angeles. And actually, even before that, my mother's brother had moved to San Diego. So my mother's brother lives in Chula Vista. And he has lived there for like, 50 years wow so we definitely were a family that was you know kind of comfortable with the the bi-coastal mentality of like the family lives on the two coasts Mm -hmm. and then so my brother two of my three brothers ended up living in los angeles and i was like los angeles sounds really cool I'm going to try to go to law school in California. And I just applied to a bunch of California law schools. Um, So that's how I ended up in California. And I really loved California. And I would have stayed had the real estate not been so out of my league. Right. Because at the point where my husband and I had a child and we wanted to raise a family there, I already had made a decision that I just wanted to be an artist and it's just very difficult in Los Angeles and San Diego and all these places to make ends meet on one person's income. Absolutely. It's very different than where I live now, which is the Midwest, where you have a lot of stay-at-home moms. And I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and an artist, and I didn't want the pressure. So um family is in Ohio. And so I came to visit Ohio, and I was like, actually, Ohio is much cooler and nicer than I ever thought it was. It's not just like one big farm, although that right, would have like these preconceived ideas of what places are like. Definitely, especially coming from the coasts, It's like, you think that like, you know, you have a lot of, right. You have a lot of notions about what different places are that are inland in the United States. Yep. And um, it turns out that where I'm from, sorry about the dog and close. That's okay. That's okay. Look, we have <laughs> kids and dogs and everything um where I live in Ohio it's very much like a uh I guess like a the personality type is more uh toward the left (laughs) I don't want to get into politics but it's it's very liberal where I live the whole state isn't like that but I am very 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 comfortable and happy where I live um so anyway, that's, that's so important. <laughs> it's very important. You don't want you don't want to live in a place that you just feel like you're a fish out of water. or Right. Something. Right. So but I love San Diego. I love where you live. We actually have um, very good friends who live in Carlsbad. OK,
0: that's like 10 minutes north of me.
1: Yeah. And uh, we used to go visit them all the time. So anyway, so I love where you live. It's a great place to live. So all right, back to you and the whole legal thing. Yeah. So okay, so that's your story about your lawyering. Tell me your story about your art. Okay, how did you get into it?
0: Yeah, I feel like I've always been kind of a maker. I me jewelry forever and I mean I just kind of come from a family like my mom and her mom were just they were makers that when we were like six and four my my sister and I my granny taught us cross stitch and my mom embroidered and and sewed and in fact her her main business and livelihood was making sewing and creating designing uh, tea cozies and um she basically like she found a way to make a living making tea cozies which to me is like kind of (laughs) crazy but it's about that that whole thing of like I can make something and sell it You know, I can make something and I can at least get um, the cost of my supplies and maybe a little for my time in making it. Meanwhile, I'm really enjoying doing that. You know what I mean? So it's, it hasn't always been for me, um, you know, I need to make money doing this. It's always been like, oh, I can make that or I want that. I can figure out how to make it. And have it instead of buying it myself, so it kind of comes from that uh, idea of like reverse engineering some things, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, uh, when my daughter was um, like just finishing her kindergarten year, you know, it was like springtime, I think, and we were just in the playground after school, picking up the kids, and the moms are gathered around talking, and someone said, "You know, it's like March and." someone said, what what camps are you signing your, your kids up for this summer? And I'm like camps. I'm like, what's that? You know, she's my first kid and I have no idea. And I'm, you know, there for her all the time to take care of her. So it didn't really can, you know, occur to me that I needed someone else to handle her during the summer. Some of these other women were working women. So then I was like, Oh, I relate. Well then I can make a camp. So I started doing when she was like, you know, six years old, started doing girls artisan camps. And the first one that we did was, um, it was sewing, it was, you know, garment dyeing, it was embroidery, it was a little art journaling, it was just a little bit of everything, kind of a smorgasbord. And basically, that's kind of where I started realizing that art was a fulfilling endeavor for me. And creativity for creativity's sake was a, a very, you know, con- it helped me connect to myself. And then the girls, I wanted them to feel a connection to themselves and each other during the camp so that it had a little bit more of a, you know, um, you know, personal development quality to it rather than just babysitting and doing crafts, you know. Were you
1: running the camp out of your home? yeah. We would
0: just have it outside.
1: That's amazing. When I first moved from Los Angeles to Cleveland, I had a vision of having kids come to my home to do crafting after school, like almost like an after school arts program. Mm-hmm. But I never ended up doing it because other things kind of took over, like other business opportunities and stuff like that. But I had this really strong desire to have kids come into my home and to provide them with artsy craftsy experiences. So yeah. I totally know that, that feeling. All right. That's amazing that you did that. And how many summers did you do that for?
0: Well, I did it for, um, well, okay. So if we started when she was around six and it was basically her classmates, you know, and then when they got a little bit older, their younger sisters were old enough to do it too. So then it would be like, I'd have 12 girls here of like half and half, you know, um, 10 and five, you know what I mean? So, or 10 and seven, something like that. And then it got to be where the olders started that when they got to be 12, they just started to be, like, awful. (laughs) Oh, awful? (laughs) They were just horrible. They were, like, clicky, and they started just being mean to each other, and they were, like, disrespectful of me. And then I found myself being mean, and I was like, this isn't going to work. I don't, this is not what I want this to be. I don't want to be, like, you know, running interference between, like, you know, mean girl attitude stuff. So I decided, you know, 12 is just, it's the age limit I'm going to put on this. And then I just, I did for a couple more years. I just did the littles. I didn't even invite the bigs anymore.
1: (laughs) Was this five days a week you had kids coming into your home? Well, it
0: started out like the first couple of years we did five days a week and we did like 10 to two. And then, um, then it was like okay that's just too much for me I, I was going crazy by day four and so I limited then to just the first four days of the week and then later on like the last couple years when I started to kind of get burnout a little bit I just did three days a week
1: and it that's was a like- huge responsibility to mm-hmm. keep kids entertained for hours on end
0: yeah, well, it was really interesting because I feel like um, it, there's the, ch- the child in us that loves like flinging paint and spray painting through a stencil or scribbling with a Neocolor 2 watercolor crayon and then spraying water on it and seeing the, what happens. And this excitement that that is childlike within us, they're just living. They're living that. And so it was... It was like, to me, it like exposed and it made me realize that the child within all of us can totally get behind that. They're more in the moment than maybe adults are. So it it was not difficult. It only got difficult when they started to kind of have an attitude about it. Like, you know, for the most part, they're just into like, oh, what's this going to do? And they're like, well, what's this going to look like in the end? And I'm like, don't worry about that. Just focus on what you're doing right now, you know?
1: And how but did I'm you come back. up with all these projects? Because that sounds like a lot of hours and a lot of days Were you basically providing a new project every day. Like, you know, they're, they're coming to your house and you have to have all the supplies and everything set up and they're coming in and you're teaching. A pro- I mean, because four hours a day, mm-hmm. three, three to five days a week is a lot of art time to fill. How did you,
0: how did you, how did you manage that? Well, we did, we did a bunch of different things. I mean, um, it was, and then, you know, they would spend like a good amount of time on each thing. So one year we did, um, we did all kinds of stuff. So I like to do mail art. So we did some mail art and we did some art journaling. And what they do is they would make, collage fodder, right? Um we would do all kinds of things, mixed media, making papers, um, you know, we'd spray paint through stencils, we'd drip acrylic ink, we'd do watercolor with salt and you know just all kinds of basic stuff just to make create these papers that then we would transform. So the watercolor paper um experiments, right with watercolor would turn into we'd cut them down to make them into postcards. So they'd have a stamp that said postcard and they'd stamp the back of it and draw little lines so then they have like a set of postcards to take home. And then we'd do collages on Tyvek envelopes and I would sew the Tyvek collages with my sewing machine, just put different stitches and colors of thread all over them. And then I would cut them up and sew them onto little note cards, postcards, bookmarks, and they would all get a set of these. I matched them with envelopes. I tied a little ribbon around them and they'd have these things to take home, you know? So it, it was for me, it was all, it was a joyful, you know, project just for me to create these things for them to have of their own making, you know, So I could
1: I could understand if you were like, I grew up in a house where my grandmother was cross stitching or Mm -hmm. my mother was knitting. And I like, you know, I learned from them and I passed that on to these kids who came to my house for camp. But what you're describing is something that is not, as far as I know, passed on generationally. The whole like mixed media experimental stuff is is not something you just get by default because you live with other women. <laughs> so where did you pick all of the knowledge and information that you needed to be able to do this? Because that's a lot of that's a lot of education oh, yeah. of your own. So tell me about how you were first introduced and where did you take classes? Cause this is even it sounds like this is kind of pre-internet art class. Oh, yeah, it
0: is. Absolutely. So what would happen? First of all, I, I have to attribute my, my mentor, McKay Russell, who was involved with um, doing, she had a blog, basically, and she's a great photographer. She did like little kids art camps, and she called them mermaid camps or fairy camps things like that. And she would always make videos of these, these kids just doing fun, funky, fun stuff. Like they'd hold up signs like you are magic and she'd have them going across so the screen. And I mean, it was just in- incredible stuff. I will try to find a link to some of her videos and, and share that with you guys. But um, so she, and she introduced me to art journaling. She introduced me to Sabrina Ward Harrison
1: And, um, did these people live in San Diego County or was this like something where they lived somewhere else in the world? Well, um, McCabe lived in,
0: in Encinitas, which is like just up the road from me.
1: Okay. And,
0: um, and she, and, and Sabrina Ward Harrison is a pretty famous author who wrote several different art journaling books. I mean, they're, they're kind of like the seminal like art journaling, um, tomes as far as I'm concerned. And basically from there, I started collecting art journaling books and it was art journal junkies. And it was, I mean, just all of these different, um, people that were doing art journaling. Um, some of them had blogs, but for the most part they were rely. you know we were relying on like these hard you know soft cover books but art journaling books that taught you how to do it you know and then comes the era of like youtube and videos and so i was watching some watching a lot of videos i took some art, art journaling, um, live workshops from Roxanne Coble, who's known as Bye bun as well along the way. And I, Hannah or Hannah Anderson is one of my other influences. I've always loved her artwork and she hosts the international postcard exchange.
1: I love that you are mentioning literally a long list of names of people that I have never heard of. Oh, wow. Because I'm so new in mixed media because of just where my professional life took me that I became so disconnected from sort of the world that I guess I had previously been connected to when I lived in California, which have you ever heard of the Society for Calligraphy? Um, I think so. It's in, it's a Southern California thing. It's like the Southern California. Anyway. So anyway, I, I just, I missed out. I missed out on decades. (laughs) (laughs) decades of stuff so I am gonna literally go crazy after after we record this and look up every single one of these women that you're mentioning because it's very exciting for me all of like learning anything new is really exciting for me and I love seeing like the work of all of the OGs and the people who've been doing it for so long and yeah because I'm so clueless and new (laughs) and
0: you know I really feel like a lot of Art journaling, just and mixed media in general, especially art journaling, it it really it really came from you know a, a connection of of art to heart, you know, and like in fact, um, McCabe is featured in Christine Mason Miller's book Desire to Inspire, and there's several different. Um, Art journalers, artists, mixed media artists, like you, the OGs that you're talking about that are featured in this desire to inspire. And in fact, my daughter, Tess, is, is her photographs of her that McCabe took are featured in that book. So it's pretty crazy. I, McCabe just gave this book to me like a, a couple of weeks ago to show me that Tess is in it. So I was just like really like blown away. And it took me all the way back to the very beginnings of what it was to, for me to start doing this, to start doing art journaling. And my focus really has been mixed media art journaling and mixed media art, male art. I haven't really focused on any kind of, you know, art to hang on the wall to sell kind of stuff. And How did you uh, meet McCabe? I met McCabe because one of Tessa's classmates moms hosted a camp with McCabe when they were like five yeah when they were really
1: little and had you ever seen mixed media art prior to meeting McCabe
0: um I think so because I was a following at that point I was following I Hannah I was following a couple of art bloggers you
1: know because that's what it was back then it was blogs it was blogs so I mean, most likely all of these blogs still exist out there in the ether. You just have to kind of do a little Google searching to find, you know, where mm-hmm. that blog lives. And then you yeah. have, you know, you can hopefully like have access to what people wrote. And so how many years are we talking like 15 years ago? Like how long ago are we talking? I don't how-
0: know. I have to do the math. So I'm thinking it's
1: 2007 would be go back. Yeah, to so that's, one. 14 years ago. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So while you're making art and it sounds like, I mean, you're so amazing at what you do. And I absolutely appreciate that. You're welcome. I love your style. So while you are falling in love with mixed media and doing all this experimentation and sharing this love with children and all of this, are you ever thinking... I don't want to practice law or are you thinking I enjoy the practice of law and I enjoy the making of art and I just want to keep doing both? I think it's both. I mean,
0: I feel like I, I want to, I want to use my education and my licensing and I want to, um, you know, continue to have that professional aspect of my life. Um, I want it on my own terms though. So I, definitely will stay, you know, sole practitioner, you know, um, you know, with my shingle and just, and, and, and accept the work that I want to accept, which, and I have the luxury of being able to do that because my husband is the main breadwinner. He works for a pharmaceutical company and we have really good benefits. So, you know, I'm very, very grateful for the, you know, um, flexibility, And that I have to do that but I do I want to continue to do that I feel like it balances me out I, I feel like I need to have that kind of stimulation as well as be able to have dedicated creative time and I would love it if my art you know endeavors became profitable enough for me to say, Oh, well, I don't really need to do legal work anymore, but it's not like I'm striving for that. You know?
1: Yeah. Art is the kind of thing that doesn't have the most incredible amount of consistency to it. So it sounds like your legal career is something that you can maintain a level of consistency, Mm -hmm. even though you do have to be entrepreneurial and you have to constantly be finding new clients um to me at least with art there's a lot of inspiration I guess involved and we don't control the the god of inspiration yeah (laughs) I'm making a joke here but like you know it's like uh inspiration strikes when it does. And sometimes it like strikes so hard, you become overwhelmed and feel like you're drowning in ideas. And then at other times, it can be like, I'm I don't have any more ideas. And if you're looking to have income off of your ideas, it's kind of like a little random and crazy, I think to rely on art as consistent forms of income. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's,
0: for me, there's a distinction between my art as my self-expression and, um, you know, for me, like creativity for me and what I was doing to provide a service or um, education or anything to someone else, whether that be the kids, the girls, or the Wonderless students. So when Kasha Avery of you know Wonderlust and Everything Art asked me to be the guest host, I'd only applied to be a teacher. I didn't know I was going to be offered a guest host position. and that meant that instead of just one class, I had to teach six classes.
1: That is so interesting that you literally just applied to be a teacher and all of a sudden they were asking you to teach six courses. What do you think it was about you that had them thinking this person is capable of teaching a phenomenal amount of content?
0: I don't I don't really know, except that maybe they, um, you know, maybe they reviewed my blog and I had some posts on there about the girls camps you know, and you know, we, it showed like all of the different things that we've done. And I so guess, it,
1: you didn't mention that you also had a blog. So what, what is the name of your blog?
0: Okay. Well, I started my blog. I don't remember exactly the date. I think it was 2000 and maybe 2009 and just on Blogspot. And it was basically it's, a, I called it an art blog, but I really didn't post that much because. My life was very hectic and crazy and I didn't always have time for art. And it ended up where the time that I actually made and had for myself to do art for a lot of those years was just doing the DIY postcard swaps. And so I would post about the process that I did that I used to make the postcards and or I would post about the, the girls camps. And it's just juicys.blogspot.com at blogspot.com, I believe. But I have a new website, and I just started blogging through my website. And really? What? How do people find that? Well, it's juicy s.net is my is my
1: website. So it's tell me intuitive. about that, because I have often wondered, and I'm, I think this is going to tie in here. Mm-hmm. You've got two different Instagram accounts, and both are for your art. The Sarah Gardner, correct, account? It's at Sarah Gardner. and then At Sarah at, J. Gardner. Oh, at Sarah J. Gardner. And then you also have an account at Juicy S. Art. Is that what it is? Yeah, juicy.s.art. Art. Yeah. Okay. So tell us why are you maintaining two separate Instagram accounts?
0: Okay. So I did not really set up any kind of what I would consider or consider like professional or business type, um, website until like 2019. And, um, when I did that, I still had my old Instagram account, which is my personal account, Sarah J Gardner, and I had just launched that website, and so I started to do, and so you know, closely contemporaneously with that, I started setting up the GCS Art um, Instagram, and when I went to England (laughs) to. To do um, Wonderlust, they Kasha was like, you have to um, make your account private, public, and at the time, my main account was the Sarah J Gardner account. So I made that account public, and then um, set up the Juicy S Art account as public, but because I had. Basically, the the pull through from Wonderless for all the students to see my Instagram was my personal account, Sarah J Gardner. It, I have to kind of I felt like I had to kind of keep that, so I'm running these two contemporaneously because I felt like I I do want to have a dedicated account for my art, but I don't want to like. I don't want to just say, Oh, everybody come following me here. You know what I mean? So I mean, eventually, why not? That'll happen. I don't, know, maybe that'll happen soon, but I just felt like at the time I was like, I didn't want to
1: like mess with people too much. So <laughs> in if people of- were going to follow you at one place, cause this is a, I have to say, it's been a little confusing for me. I didn't okay. quite know where you would prefer to be followed or well, where you, you would know. prefer to be DM'd. Cause I, I do a lot of DMing through Instagram. So Um, if people were going to choose one of the two accounts to follow you for your art and to send you DMS, which of the two is like your official business art account?
0: It's the juicy S art account.
1: Okay. So one thing that I have seen is where in the, um, what is it? It's, I don't know if it's called like the, the bio area on Instagram, like people will put like this is my personal account for art follow me at juicy s art okay and that way when people find sarah gardner they could see that and then they're like oh okay i'll go follow her over there right right that makes sense so if you ever wanted to like consolidate yeah. and go I think back I to having to...
0: I, you're right i think i do need to consolidate and i really appreciate that input <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I feel like this art community is, it's, it's valuable to me on, on so many levels that aren't obvious, you know, um, I value people's input and feedback and it just for, so for all of COVID and, and before, and I hope beyond it, it has felt like a supportive, uh, you know, community that, that, that wants the best for all
1: of us, you know? You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that it is this like web, for lack of a better word, but it's like a web of human beings from all over the world. And you may have like more or less of a close connection, you know, with some people or other people. But the whole thing is this one like giant interconnected web. Yeah. And it has been for me also a source of like just tremendous psychological positive like I don't even know like life like like life energy that has sustained me throughout the entire pandemic absolutely and I don't even know I don't know if without the pandemic I don't think I ever would have gotten like that enmeshed with everything or that integrally involved? Yeah, it was pretty,
0: it's, it's pretty powerful. I feel like we all, you know, tapped into it as a resource for connection when we couldn't otherwise be connected and we couldn't be connected, you know, in our actual locales with, with the real people that we were normally engaged with. So we got freed up from the obligations to do all of that. And we're able to focus our attentions, you know, on the virtual communities. And like you say, I, like, I, I don't think that without the the pandemic that would have happened.
1: I don't think it would have either. And having any trouble reintegrating into the life that you had before, are you like, do you even remember what your life was like before? (laughs) I know.
0: I it's hard to remember.
1: It's hard and to I'm
0: feeling. I, what I'm feeling is like, oh, all of a sudden now, now I can entertain again. We would we would entertain all the time. Now I can entertain again. Now I can get together with my friends, go out to lunch. I can and go have social, you know, engagements and interactions and plan stuff. And
1: I'm like, I don't want to necessarily do all that. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and now it's like every every hour of every day it's like a i don't mean like i'm making these decisions when i think like okay i could make a plan with a friend to go do something but if i do that that's pretty much the only time i have during the day for myself and if i do that that means that's like a whole day where i'm probably not getting like involved in an in art project yeah. <laughs> and so it's like okay I re I do miss my friends. I do miss the social connections, but I'm having a hard time like giving up all of that time that became my art time. Right. And it was like it was your time to do with what you
0: wanted to do, right? Yeah. And now I feel this pressure now to like
1: start sharing my time. Yes. <laughs> And entertaining is so time consuming when I have people over for one dinner, let's say on a weekend, that means for days ahead of time, I'm grocery shopping and I'm planning the meal and I'm doing all of the prep work and I'm cleaning the crap out of the first floor of my house. So that it looks like nobody actually lives here. Like (laughs) everything has to be put away and clean and neat. And it's like, wow, if I want to have people over on one night, that's like, um, that could even be five days of lost our time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hardest dilemma of 2021 oh, and beyond. Oh, we got yeah. so comfortable in the pandemic. It's crazy. It's true. It's true.
0: And that, you know, that pressure of is real. It feels like pressure. Whereas before it was just like a given. Oh yeah. Who are we going to have over for dinner this weekend? You know? And right. So, yeah. So I I totally get it. I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've just
1: identified the major problem.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I did have the opportunity to do, um, I had started up in 2019. Well, one of the things that happened is that I got tongue cancer in 2018. And it was just a fluky, weird, kind of crazy thing that they don't really know why I got it. And I had a surgery that summer in June that where they removed a third of my tongue and then they replaced that tissue with tissue from my arm along with like my left arm, along with the radial artery of my left arm, so that the, the new, you know, tissue would have a blood supply and be able to live in my mouth. And then I had a skin graft after that from my leg onto my arm to replace what had been removed from that. And then it was a long recovery process, but all along the way I had amazing healthcare, amazing doctors, and I had all so many good outcomes. I didn't have to have chemo. I didn't have to have radiation. The surgery solved the whole issue. And I was just so tremendously grateful, but also kind of had a little bit of a, you know, reality check of, you know, stop doubting myself and stop questioning myself and stop limiting myself because you never know what's going to happen. And so in 2019 when I'm all recovered and, you know, happy and 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 grateful, I started my website, you know, and I started p- planning and actually holding what I call art play dates. And they came from the uh, times when all the moms would pick up the girls from the girls artisan camps and they'd be like, I want to do art camp. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you do. (laughs) Because it is the funnest thing, you know, and it's super fun to play with art supplies and sling paint. So I just started the art play dates for women, for moms like me who want to do that. and." Like my tagline is let's sling paint, paint and sip Prosecco because that's the fun of, of creating that I wanted to share, you know, that is so, amazing. So I did a few of those in the summer of 2019. And then of course the pandemic hit and we didn't do that, but, um, I, I, got to expand my online presence pretty, pretty well during this time. And I'm so grateful for that as well. And then um, we just had a couple of them this summer. So I was able to get that going again. People say, are you going to do it? I'm like, I guess I'm going to do it. You know, whereas my, that little you know, voice inside me that says, I don't want to do that because I don't have to, or I feel pressure and I, it's, you know, now COVID's over really, is it over kind <laughs> of thing. So, but I did I mean, them and they were really, they worked out really well. I felt like, you know, I got to connect with some real people and some real students. Um, and then the second one I did, actually, I turned into kind of a virtual art play play date as well. So, and I have to say, Wendy, you have been, um, a, at least partly a catalyst for that um, virtual art playdate date because um, you encouraged me to increase the readership of my newsletter and subscription to my website. And as an incentive for people to subscribe, I gave away the virtual art play date videos.
1: That is so cool. Yeah. All right. But I want to go back to something that you that you you touched upon and really dig in a lot deeper. So you said that going through having cancer and wow, your story is very intense. What you had to go through physically to survive. And that is an incredible story. But what were you like before that as far as like psychologically, mentally? And then how exactly did that change for you where you said I really have to do what I want to do now because tomorrow is not promised like what were things that you were holding back on that you really wanted to do I guess is what I'm asking and then how did you use that cancer experience to just say you know screw it I'm just gonna do it yeah
0: yeah well I think mainly what it was is that for many years I've been doing my art my mixed media my art journaling I had been, I mean, I did those postcards I've done and continue to do those postcard exchanges since 2011 and making art and get, you know, sending it away, you know? Um, and I think part of it was, is that I, I wanted to share and I wanted to be part of a community that shares, um, but I always second guessed it. I didn't feel like any of it was worthy of, of anything other than just giving away sharing or whatever. And I think part of what, um, and what was holding me back really was like, who am I to think that anyone would be interested in what I'm doing? And so it's just basically those limiting beliefs where it's like, yeah, my art's all fine and good for me, and I really enjoy it, and it really connects me to myself, and that's all it is, really, but coming to the conclusion that I have the ability to teach because I have taught little kids for a really long time, and I have um, a, an interest in sharing it, and I have gotten so much joy and so much, like, connection to self from it myself, that I want to share that aspect of it as well. So I think what cancer really taught me was that if you just live in your own little world and don't share it, you know, it's gonna, life's gonna pass you by and you won't have, you know, shared it, you will
1: just have kept it to yourself. And Okay, so so this is starting to make a lot more sense to me, because when I look at your mixed media art, One of the things that I see is like, wow, this woman has a phenomenal style and clearly a depth of knowledge. And I'm looking at your Instagram account and I'm like, it's really unusual that she doesn't have like a super large following. And and it's kind of like, it's a little bit of a mystery, like how you're so good at this. (laughs) And so this is painting... A much better picture of who you are. So prior to your cancer journey, you were doing a ton of mixed media art, but you weren't necessarily um out there, you know, it sounds like showing the world or, or putting yourself yes. out there, you know, maybe locally in your community to the young girls, but you weren't like out there on the internet saying, like, look me, look at me, like look at all the knowledge and skills that I have. And now you are, you're saying like, here, I belong here. I belong here teaching other people and sharing this knowledge. Yes. And basically that's what it
0: was. I want, I decided I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to just, I'm going to escape from my little cage that I put myself in and I'm just going to do it. It's like, I finally realized I have nothing to lose because, you know, I don't know what, what, cancer basically told me that what you have to lose is just like everything, you know? And so when you have are in that situation and then you realize what this art thing, Oh my gosh, that's a no brainer. Let's just put it out there. See what happens. You don't, you know, don't have any big expectation about it, but like it's time, it's time for you to just like put yourself out there and stop doubting yourself. And, um, As soon as I did that and I applied to be a Wonderlust teacher, I got selected to be a guest teacher for Wonderlust, And that was like affirmation and confirmation and validation for me actually having put myself out
1: there. What an amazing story. I cannot even begin to tell you how thrilled I am that you're one of the teachers in fodder school and And that we're getting to know each other better and that me now knowing your story like it's just it's amazing it's amazing when you really get to know what's underneath you know the pretty pictures on Instagram well
0: and- I, Wendy I really appreciate it I appreciate you you know reaching out to me to be part of fodder school it, it's super exciting you know like that's one of the things we've done at the art camps forever is make fodder and you know it's I never really called it that but it was like It's, that's joy for me.
1: (laughs) It's joy. I think that's, I think that probably, it's amazing how everything is connected, but it's not, you take Wanderlust, every teacher is making fodder and using fodder because they're definitely not. But there are a few teachers who demonstrated making their own materials and you were definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. And it was through that experience, that was a year-long course where I realized very clearly that my favorite lessons by far were the ones where they st- where the teacher started out with us making our own collage fodder. Now, do, did you have a name for the materials that you make by hand? I called them art papers. Art papers. Okay, there's mm-hmm. like a million names. Yeah. I don't even know why the word is something that I like attached myself to like I, I jumped on that horse <laughs> I have no idea what it is about that one particular term I think there's a lot of different names for the same thing oh, yeah. Um, yeah I think people call them like art parts and like just I don't even know but whatever calling it collage fodder now um so I really like I loved those lessons and I think that's probably one of the major reasons why I fell in love with you in that course and started to really connect with that concept of how, like, it's not necessarily about the art that I make with water. I mean, it's fun to make the art, but it's not like I'm not looking to, you know, put that art on a wall and look at it forever. Mm-hmm. Um But the process really hit that spot for me.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's the thing. Like with the kids, I had to kind of think of things where their, you know, their level of, you know, interest and skill and all of that, where it's like easy to do, you know, easy to do, fun to do, lots of color, lots of like intuitive, like, make a mess kind of thing. Um, and then see what, you know, what freaking magic comes out of it because it's always magic. There's always magic that happens when you just let go and you make these things for, the, for no reason other than to make them, you know?
1: I think and- you just identified something that I have been trying to identify for months now of like, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but you said the term it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. And the results are really amazing. Yeah. And I've been thinking like, what is it about this? Why am I possessed by collage fodder? Why am I literally taken by this idea of school dedicated to our love of collage fodder? Why, 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 why? And you just nailed it for me. Yeah. And I think the the other aspect
0: of it is like in I'm just hearkening back to the girls art camps again, because they'd be like, okay, well, what are we going to do with this? What is this for? Like, there would be a couple, like, I don't know if they were Virgos or whatever. They were just like, um, very intent on knowing why they were doing what they're doing. Just a couple. Most of the kids were just like interested in doing what they were doing, but there would always be a couple. And I'd be like, I know exactly where they're going with this because if I was them as an adult sitting there, I'd be wondering the same thing. But I'm like, don't you don't have to worry what we're doing with it? Just have fun making what you're making, and that's the whole point of for me that makes collage fodder fun is that I'm not creating some you know work of art, some end product that is going to be something. It's just the it's the pure act of creating it, and um, that. But then there's the flip side of that for me at least was. When I made some, you know, one of the postcards that I made in a series uh, based on my visits to Sayulita, Mexico, I sent you one. Um, I actually made some additional collage fodder for those to supplement the photographs and the other um, collage ephemera that I had to work with. And so there's an aspect of, well, I need a little something else to go with this. And I can make that myself. So there's that aspect of it being for a reason, made for a reason to go into something that I'm making, right? And for me, my my class for fodder school is kind of along those lines where you suggested I make ATCs for my main lesson. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to make collage fodder that goes with that. So I'm going to make micro fodder because ATCs are so small
1: <laughs> you know I wasn't thinking about the postcard when I asked you to be on my podcast but now that you mentioned the postcard that you sent me I do want to say thank you so much for sending that to me I think that welcome. you sending me that postcard is very connected to the story of our connection mm-hmm and I remember receiving it and I, I hold on to it very dearly because I remember the feeling of getting it and thinking that this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen or held in my hands. Oh, wow. And I very distinctly remember the marks on there and thinking like, wow, I just think this is so cool. And I'm so excited for her lessons. In <laughs> um, I'm just very drawn to your art. Well, I, I think the feeling is mutual. And that's
0: part of why I sent you that card in the first place. Is I just kind of felt like we had a similar, you know, a similar style, a similar aesthetic, a similar um, you know motivation to create in a way mm-hmm. and you know when you're whenever you're um, you know journal pages or projects from Wonderless 2020 in response to my lessons would you would post them I would be like oh yeah I know that's Wendy and I would just be <laughs> like blown away I'm like I love that I love those colors she used I love all of the, everything about this so I just kind of knew we were you know Uh, you know, paints
1: in the same, you know, palette. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's like, there's just an, I don't even know. It's like you, you see something, you see an artist and you're like, I really like what they're doing. I connect with what they're doing, what they're, what they're doing. Makes me happy. Like looking at what they're doing makes me happy. And therefore I want to have a stronger connection with that person. Exactly. And,
0: you know, I feel like that's kind of the um, evolution of my style. I mean, we all are beginners at some point. And as we go along, for me, the process has been um, finding and locating and following what I like. What makes my heart beat a little faster? What gets me excited? And so I'm following and I'm taking classes from and I'm buying books from authors whose art I would emulate in my art journal and learn from. And eventually, the whole amalgamation of everything that I've accessed in that way has become my personal art style. And um, you know but this process is still ongoing I don't think I'm ever going to just like arrive at a point where my art starts to just look always
1: like the same
0: yeah you know? I don't I don't think style. it's possible yeah.
1: yeah so you just totally summed up exactly my philosophy of finding your style based on just my own personal experience I don't think that people can force it I don't think that you can say is the day I'm going to like find my style or um I'm going to you know deliberately set out to like pin it down. I just do not believe in that whatsoever. I think that it's just a process of kind of letting go and following what makes you happy and picking up nuggets along the way and if you stop picking up nuggets that's when your art is going to get really freaking boring for you and for the people looking at your art. True.
0: And I think too, that you have to just keep making stuff and you, you know, and what you do when you just make a lot of stuff is that you decide and you, you determine like what you like and what you don't like, even about your own art, you're already following what you like out there in the world. And then you're trying to make it your own and you're going to, you know, succeed and fail in varying degrees along the way. But eventually, you know, through that whole process, and it is kind of a, a process of trial and error, but like and dislike at the same time. So you find out what you like about your own process of what your own creating, what you're creating yourself, and that eventually that is what leads you to consistently doing something, making something that you yourself like.
1: Do you ever feel pressure to make something for a wall or, you know, you're an artist and you have all this talent and skill and all of this education now and knowledge. And, you know, you should try to be like out there making, you know, art for sale versus art for pleasure or art for just sharing. Do you ever think about that? I do. And
0: I, I mean, um, People say that to me, you know, friends and my, my sister too will say, you know, you should do this and you could totally do this. And she'll, my sister, she's a, a rep for like some design companies. So she has a line of artwork and she just showed me their, you know, latest look book. And she's like, you could totally do this and you could totally do that. And I'm like, I, I, that's not going to give me joy. That's not why I do what I do. What I do, I do for the process of doing it. And um, that's why I would like to continue teaching people the process of what I do, because in a way that that monetizes what I'm doing, but it does it in a way that is much more personally fulfilling to me. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: It totally makes sense. I mean, I think that everyone who is listening to this podcast, everyone who, you know, shows up here and listens to this completely, totally connects with this idea of creating art that is not traditionally for sale in the traditional, you know, art markets like galleries or, you know, art festival type stuff, or even now there's like a lot of online, um, you know, please people sell wall art and I, I'm not knocking it. I wish I could, I wish I had the, the desire and the, the confidence and all of that to sell, you know, to try to sell wall art. I'm in no way criticizing it. I'm almost just identifying that. I just, I don't have it in me to do that. Um, but that doesn't mean that I can't make art like the center of my life. Right. Right. And I mean, I have
0: made walls, wall art before, but I just, like I said, it, it's, um, that's a focus on the end product to me that, that it's great. You know, the end product, I like it, what, you know, it's good. I I can sell it. I've sold stuff, but at the same time, it's, it really is for me. What I enjoy most is, you know, the process of creating and what the process, how the process helps me experience awe and wonder and be in the moment and use my intuition and access that part of myself that, I don't normally, you know, we don't always get to do that in our day-to-day lives. We don't get to pay attention to our intuition. We don't get to say, what if I just sling this paint over here and what happens? What if I use this color? We don't get to make our decisions on a day-to-day basis in our everyday life based on those types of inquiries. And so that's that's what I want to do. I want to focus on the process and I want to keep learning, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, while you were talking, I just thought about what we want to focus on. And what came to my mind is like, the reason I do not want to try to sell art, traditional art is the last thing I want to be thinking about when I'm creating art is, is someone else going to value what I'm making enough to want to buy it? Like, that would be so horribly stifling for me as a creative and I know again like not knocking people who are able to do it I think it's amazing um it just would it would ruin the experience for me I tried it like a tiny little bit dipped my toe into it and I was like oh man that like totally sucked for me yeah
0: (laughs) yeah well it's that thing of oh will this sell yeah will this sell and you know you know and you're creating it as a product you know and so that to me i mean maybe at one point you know i i could do that but i just at this stage in my evolution as an artist i still want to be focused on the the just creativity for creativity's sake and what it brings to me in terms of you know, uh, you know, this connection and this, um, basically it's well-being, self-care, I call it creativity, self-care, and, and then share that aspect of it, you know, with other people. Um, To me, that just seems like it is just, it's more fulfilling for me. And I do see the potential for it to be a marketable thing that is a little less, I don't know if it's like abstract, I don't know. I guess I believe in that product more than I would believe in like a canvas that I created.
1: I don't know why No, but... it's interesting. Cause I feel the same way. Like I'm very comfortable in the arena of creating an art experience mm-hmm. um, to share knowledge with other people. And I'm like, I love doing that. I'm so happy to, uh, you know, conjure up ways that people can have these art experiences together online. And I don't have any apprehension about putting myself out there like that. Yeah. And like, so if it feels right, that's what we should do. Exactly. And I think that for other people, they couldn't even imagine a life without trying to make wall art. You know, they could not imagine not putting paint to canvas and putting it up on a wall and and trying to have you know other people a conversation with other people you know where when people are looking at that art they're wondering what is it about or analyzing it or and I don't want anyone analyzing my art (laughs) please don't look into my art. You can look at it. It's pretty, but please don't try to like, you know, make a narrative of it. Um, so anyway, it has been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on this podcast. Well, it was great to be here and I really appreciate you having me on. Um, is there anything else you want to let people know? So let's, let's go through. I always, I always forget to do this, but then I'm somehow reminded at the end, how can people find you? So Instagram, spell your Instagram account name. Okay, so we're going
0: to go with the official art Instagram account um, starting off today. Okay, and that's (laughs) juicy.s.art. So it's at juicy.s.art for Instagram. And then my website is juicy-s.net. And on there, you can see there's any events that I'm having, whether those are live art play dates or virtual art play dates in the future. Um, I have my blog up there, and I just got a little uh, wake up call from the internet on Instagram um, requesting um, PDFs like shareables, printables. So I'm going to add one to my website today. And, um, that's basically it. I don't think there's there's much more that you could you know discover that you can't get to through my website. I have all the links to my Instagram and my YouTube channel and all that there.
1: Beautiful. All right, people, go look. If you don't already know Sarah's art, it's amazing. Join us, please, in fodder school. There are so many of your fellow connections and friends that are out there all over the world that have already decided to join us at fodder school. And I just think it's going to be truly epic, really, yes, fun. Like, this is not hyperbole. Like, I'm not BSing when I say, like, I, vis- I envision this is going to be transformative for people. And I just think people are going to have so much fun. And uh, I just cannot wait to see what everyone is creating inspired by instructors like you. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. So Sarah, thank you. Thank you for coming on and have a wonderful weekend. You too, Wendy. All right. Bye, Sarah. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Show Up or Shut Up. If you've made some art or craft while you listened, take a photo of it, post it to Instagram, and tag me at willa.wanders so we can see what you are up to. And if you feel like what we've talked about here spoke to you, press that subscribe button so that you're the first to know about all of the new Show Up or Shut Up episodes. Have a wonderful day and go make something.